on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hacker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We've got the GOAT. Patty Gasso joins us to talk all things OU softball. Then we talk about some bulletin board material for OU football and give our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, May 17th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iger and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of May, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. One note, Ted, we are trying to finalize all of our sponsorships for football season over these next couple weeks. If you are interested, if your business is interested, you can email us at the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com and we will get you all the information. Ted Lehman, how are we doing, sir? fantastic i cannot complain good week lots of stuff happening postseason is here uh things are great man yeah and normally i i think we not every single podcast we've ever done we've started with ou football but i think 99.9 percent of them but we've got patty gasso we've got the goat and when you are a six-time winning national championship head coach you you go first on the podcast that's just that's how it works there's there's a pecking order for everything right and at the front of the line is the goat for sure so here's patty gasso it is our pleasure to be joined by a six-time national championship winning head coach she's the greatest softball coach of all time Patty Gasso is in the house. Coach, how are we doing? I'm good. Good. Ready to start this next adventure. Well, you guys are off to a good start. Um, you know, wrapping up the the Big 12 championship. I know that that's, that's always got to be goal number one, right? Win the conference and then you just start plugging on after that. Yeah, it's 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 
kind of a trip, really. So we play 18 games. We went 18 and 0. That's really, really difficult to do. And you get like a handshake, like good job. And I'm like, wait a minute, where's all the the confetti and the hats and the streamers and everything? Now you you get all that when you go to the tournament. We get a bye. We're in the semifinal. We played two games. And um, we got a lot of publicity over that. I'm like, wow, this works backwards, but whatever, we'll take it. So it was fun for them uh, to get kind of the fanfare because after we we outright won the Big 12, it's like nobody cared. I'm like, okay. So um, we played well this last weekend and we're excited about being back at home in our stadium. I'm sure it's going to sell out. It's a very hostile yet fun environment for other teams coming in, but it's momentum is so much on our side. It's really helpful. So the teams that are coming in are going to be tough. Um, and we're looking forward to it because it's going to prepare you as you go on. So uh, tough, tough games. Looking, obviously you guys are the number one overall seed coach when you look at the draw and you've been you've been pretty outspoken about this stuff in the past right looking at your draw and how you feel about it how you feeling about the teams coming to norman for the regional uh well they're good they're good I and mean, you can look at the record you could you know but when we we put out this like heat chart on where teams stand offensively defensively and we've got our work cut out for us. You know, Cal Berkeley has a history of being a postseason and World Series style team, as has Missouri. Both programs have history at the College World Series. We've played them both at the College World Series. Hofstra, um, I don't know too much about, and um, they've done, had an okay season. These don't play the same level of teams that we play but Cal Berkeley's in the Pac-12 they're beating UCLA they're beating big teams maybe not sweeping them but they're taking one of three games and same with Missouri they're they're tested they're battle tested so I saw those two names pop up I'm like oh wow wow and Others are like, oh, Oklahoma, you got it. Oh, don't worry, you got it. Like, you don't even know. You don't know what I know or what I'm feeling. And that is, this is not going to be easy. It, it isn't. It's never easy. But these are two teams that know how to play in postseason. How about the rest of the country? It, it seems like there was a couple of different selections that got people uh, riled up, I guess you could say. Alabama being maybe the main one. What do you think about the whole process and how they've they've done it over the last couple of years? I thought last year was the best I had seen. The most um, fair, seemed even, level, fair across the board. I'm baffled, like everybody else, on this one. I really am. And looking at, again, Alabama, um, I think, Oklahoma State had some good early wins, but when you win, thir you lose 13 of your last 15. I am kind of mind boggled by that, but they keep pressing the hole against the top 10. It's one thing when you beat a top 10 team in February, 
it's a difference when you beat them in April. And a lot of teams did a lot of their work early in February and then just kind of leveled off. And I think Alabama might be that kind of team as well. I, I feel for Stanford, if you look at their resume, you would go, what in the world are we doing? Uh, they're good. They're a good team that had the number one strength of schedule. I think they're in the top five in RPI. I mean, everything warranted itself for them to be a top eight team. So I, I was purely perplexed by some of this, but it's not uncommon. Until we concede the top 32, and we want to see, I want to see what it looks like. What are you looking at? What, what are the criteria that you're looking at? Um, doesn't make sense. Some of it just doesn't make sense. In, in your opinion, what, what would a better system look like? Because I feel like you're not the only coach that wants a little more transparency when it comes to how this all is working. You're kind of the face of the sport coach and you don't know exactly how it works. So what are, I mean, what are we doing here? Why, why don't we have a more transparent system in college softball when it comes to the selection stuff? There are so many technology is so big, right? Uh, I know you could go into the AI system and probably give a bunch of uh, names of schools and they could, pop it out to you exactly the way it needs to look. I, it, RPI and, and things that they're looking at, there is more detailed analytics out there and numbers that can give us a better spray chart of a team. I, I, but RPI and some of those things are geared towards all different sports. I think softball and baseball should have their own, you know, we're, we're made differently. Sports are made differently and what's important and um, strength of schedule and when you're winning and how you're winning. Are you winning on the road as well? And uh, I don't know. I don't know that we take enough into consideration, but I would like to see 32 teams seated so we can understand what what is going on here. And then eventually try to see, show us how you seated the entire field of 64, but there's too many unanswered questions and, and it's just, it's hitting Twitter world like crazy, I guess. So I just look, I, there's nothing I can do about it except worry about our team. That's what I have to stay focused on. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, like you said, you're the number one overall seed and everyone just assumes that it's going to be the easiest thing ever. Like it, it's a, it's a formality. Do you get the sense sometimes that almost the better you are, the more difficult it becomes like just, just with the pressure and the assumptions of, of what your team is and isn't. Absolutely. It's a whole nother level of stress and, uh, players get a little anxious about it as well uh, it's just it's almost a given that people believe every game we play we should be winning and so it's really important for me to keep the team together and that we talk about it amongst ourselves and keep the outside from getting in perpetuating into their heads 
by looking at social media, reading the comments, things like that can really get in the way. But everybody expects us to win every game that we play. And it's just, um, you don't want to disappoint, but reality, we're human. We're human. We will make mistakes. Um, and we're very fortunate to have the record that we have. Now everyone's talking about breaking this winning streak record and I could care less. I don't care about it. I, it's not even talked about in our locker rooms, not talked about by me. Uh, that's not what we're playing for. We're playing to win. We're playing for a national championship. Records are made to be broken. But there's always something that's constantly hanging over us, and we've just somewhat learned to live with it. I, I've got a feeling that it's a little easier when you have as balanced of a team as you have and with as many experienced players as you've got. When you look at this, this team coach, do you, do you feel this is the most balanced team you've had at Oklahoma? I feel really good about that. Absolutely. I feel I could pull anybody out of the lineup and insert anyone into the lineup and we wouldn't be missing much of anything. I've got a pitching staff that could be all aces on any staff. I've got a defense that is so athletic and so determined to make big time plays look easy. And I've got an offense one through nine that uh, I think they're all hitting, you know, 350 or above. And we don't strike out a lot. We do walk a lot. We have a good number of stolen bases. Um, so I just think top to bottom, we're just balanced. And um, my bench, a lot of these athletes could be starting on top, top 10 teams. So trying to keep them integrated, happy, getting some playing time. But uh, I could put any lineup on the field and feel very confident. Now, I, I think it's interesting with like, Jordy Ball. Um, ace pitcher, but also great at other things. And, and we've seen her out there running the bases. She's excellent on the base paths. Is that something where my, I, I, if you didn't have the pitching that you have, would you feel comfortable letting her be out there on the base pass where, I don't know, you, you, you know, get a, a hand stomped on sliding into third or something like that. Is, is that, is that, do you ever factor that in? I don't. I've never been that kind of coach where I'm trying to really protect players because Jordy has so much to give to us. We've taken her out of the offense some, but she can swing and she can run. She's the quickest runner on our team. So if I, there are ways that I can insert her in the game when she's pitching, you know, if I put her in the 10 spot, I can bring her in for the DP over and over and over and over again because I never actually take her out of the game. And that is a big, big advantage. And she loves to run. She She's good at it. She's smart at it. Uh, so I, I don't think, oh gosh, I'm afraid because I don't know. We've never, I've never coached like that. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. I got to protect her. I, if I can get a pitcher who can hit, I'm going for it because that's such a huge advantage. So Jordy would be upset if I treated her that way as well. So no, she's all in. So looking at, looking at the roster coach, what, what, 
what player, and maybe it's multiple, but what player has kind of exceeded your expectations the most this season, maybe surprised you the most, mm-hmm. maybe that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I, I have so many returners. So I, um, I, I think Riley Boone is just really having one of her best seasons. So I'm really proud of her and excited what she's doing in the nine hole is big for us. Uh, Jada is just that level. Um, everybody pretty much returning has really lived up to their billing. They're, they're playing really well. I think Sid Sanders came to us from Arizona state and it was a different kind of run programs coming to ours a little bit different for her. Uh, she was okay on defense. I thought that was one of her weaknesses that made me a little uncomfortable. She worked really hard. She's become a really good first baseman, and I'm really proud of that. Now her hitting starting to come along. Haley Lee, I always knew, was going to be a big time here. Alex Storacco has really uh, added to our staff. I think Nicole May is someone I'm really proud of. Uh, she doesn't get a lot of attention, and she she doesn't have big personality and really emotional but she handles her craft like a professional. She comes out early, stretches on her own, pitches on her own, uh, takes care of her body. She does everything right. But this is the best season she's had. And she just doesn't get a lot of fanfare, but she doesn't want it. But she is someone that people need to talk a little more about that really don't. That's who I was going to ask you about, like how – how impressive it's been. I think she's got the best ERA on the team. Whenever you've got Jordy, you've got, you know, you brought in, uh, like you mentioned, Straco. Like, what's that dynamic like? Have you ever had a team that's had this many pitchers that can be an ace? And, like, how does that – I know it works out for the better for everyone, but just that dynamic's got to be a little bit unique. It is. I've 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 had pitchers that have been – that could all be aces, but they weren't pitching like it. All right. So somebody would be struggling and the other would step up. These, these guys have been steady through the whole season. They, uh, I think they like the fact that they don't have to throw 200 innings in a season because it, it it really can ruin them. And they know it because they did it in travel ball. And uh, so when they've been here, they've been sharing a weekend where everybody want, you know, Alex, Jordy and May would all start one of those games over the weekend or finish for each other. They're tight knit group. It's really cool. Jen Roach has done a great job of creating a team within a team and they root for each other. They talk pitching, they talk the opponent, they get along really, really well. And it's really great to see them root for each other i know they want the ball more but we also are run ruling um, i think we've run ruled almost half of the games that we played we put it to numbers it was about 50 innings 50 plus innings that we've lost a play because we're run ruling that's a lot of innings for those guys to be able to pitch that they're missing out on so they understand the dynamic of the team and uh, they're they're all in it to win it looking at looking at your process coach uh, i know you always 
you you always point the attention on your players, right? You've always done that. But you guys are at the height of the sport. You're back-to-back champs. How do how do you go about improving as a coach? Like, because I think it'd be easy when you guys are as dominant as you are to get complacent and not continue to evolve as a coach. Like, how how do you fight against that and, and continue to push yourself? to, you know, be the best coach you can be and not just say, Hey, this is how we do it. This is how we's all, we've always done it. You know, I, as I get older and the players get younger, we're, I started to feel a little bit distant and it's important for me to continue to have relationships with players. So I did something in the last couple of years, a little bit new, where I would just take each one out individually for a lunch or a breakfast and just let them get to know me, ask me questions. I would ask them questions, nothing to do with softball. But I just wanted them to know I'm someone they can talk to, not to feel intimidated or afraid or what have you. So um it's a very comfortable environment for me. I enjoy being around them and I, I think they feel the same. Uh, my coaching staff has done a great job with analytics and things and really keeping me up to date with those kinds of things because they are very prevalent and relevant going forward. So I've learned to be able to take in some of that knowledge, but I also want to continue to use my gut feeling and not, that's why I get frustrated. I love the Dodgers, but I would get frustrated that they would go, take a pitcher out because analytics say so. And this guy could be hot and they take him out. And then the next pitcher comes in and doesn't have success. And I'm like, drives me crazy. So I, I know I have to keep my, my instincts in the game. And it's kind of hard when you have the numbers in front of you that tell you what to do. So I'm trying to know how to manage that a little bit as well. So a lot of new things have come at me. And if I don't change, I'm behind. I, I'm not I'm not able to lead because why would they want to follow me if I'm just not working hard or trying to connect with them? And so uh, there's a good trust between all of us right now. The connection thing is interesting and, you know, cause I see it really, it's, it's kind of played out in most sports now. Like my experience as a football player at OU is like, there wasn't a whole lot of connection between the coaches and players. I mean, there was, but it's just different. What, what was it like for you as a player is, is I guess I'm asking, cause is this something new, like over the whole experience that you've had to try and learn or was that how it was whenever you were a player? Oh, no. When I was a player, I wouldn't even look at the coach in the eye. I was so intimidated by <laughs> I wouldn't even look at him in the eye. I just put my head down and did my job. I There was no real friendship or connection, or I certainly didn't feel like I would contact them after I graduated much, things like that. Coach, um, coach asked you for a one-on-one -on -one meeting. You're getting cut, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was always something that, you know, your stomach just got sick. Like, Oh gosh, what did I do? Or what, what the un, unexpected. And I, I don't want players to think that way about me. I want them to um, 
feel like they could talk to me and we could laugh together. I like to joke with them some. Um, as I get older, though, there still is a little bit further disconnect because they just don't understand my kind of music and I don't understand theirs very well, you know, those kinds of things and the way you dress and so forth. But uh, they have fun trying to teach me things and uh, I just go along with it, even though I look like a fool. It's just a way for me to connect to these guys. And that's really important. It, it is so that they buy in to me and really see me as a human versus a, some kind of authoritative figure. I don't want that. Yeah, I think I think that's a smart approach, Coach. And clearly, it, whatever you're doing is working well. <laughs> whatever you're doing is working well. Now, and, and I know you're you're focused on winning the regional and moving on to supers and all that. H has it set in that you're about to play your last couple games at Marita Heinz field? Oh, um, I think I'm going to have some emotion and I don't even, you know, I'm not feeling it yet. I know it's coming. I know Marita Heinz is going to be at the super regional I don't know if it's going to be made a big deal, but my entire coaching life here at OU has been there. 29 years on that. Well, two over at Reeves Park and 27 uh, at Marita Heinz Field. It's a lot of memories. A lot of my coaching life has been there. Uh, so it's bittersweet, but man, all you got to do is drive down Jenkins and see some of the framing that's happening now at the new stadium, it's really, really exciting. So it's really kind of the changing of the guard, you know, and just um, such an honor to have this opportunity from the family that you're in and many others who have believed in our sport and who we are. And um, I'll tell you what, we're so excited to represent Oklahoma in that love stadium while we're in the Big 12 uh, last season and then entering into the SEC it is going to be fun and I think there's going to be a lot of fans I think there's still going to be sellouts every game uh, I guess tickets are coming on sale soon and people are calling me trying to get an in I'm like I don't know how to help you that is not my <laughs> I can't help you so it's uh, to see it happening for our sports just really tremendous because I've been here so long and I've seen when we had, when I first started over at Reams Park, we might've had 50 people in attendance and they were parents. So we've come a long way. Uh, it is crazy. You know, and, and I, I find myself watching softball and ESPN, not even when Oklahoma's playing, I'm watching SEC games, you know, and it's, it's turned into something really special. I, did you, I guess, what was your expectation when you took this job? Like, what was like, in your opinion, if you can, if you think back to it, like, what was the ceiling? Like, what was your hopes of what it could become? And maybe that compared to where it is now. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I came here from a junior college out in California. I always wanted a D1 job. I wanted to stay in California they would not hire a junior college coach to be a D1 softball coach. I came out to Oklahoma to watch the World Series, and I had a dream just like a player would. 
man, one day I hope to be on that field. And as a junior college coach, I was looking at like, wow, what would it be like if one day I could be on that field coaching? And, you know, I just believe my faith is strong. I believe the Lord led me here. My expectation coming in was to win. But when I saw where we were playing and half the team revolted and left, I had to try to find new players and create something very quickly. And I guess I've just always had a, a good work ethic as a coach and a belief in players and belief in the system of hard work and blue collar, which is kind of how I grew up. And um, it wasn't easy, but we found success pretty quickly and uh, the rest just kind of took off. What a humble answer. Gosh, you are the best. But, okay, there's been a couple of hot-button topics for Oklahoma softball. Uh, the future of Bedlam, we can talk about that if you want to. But can the softball field, can it fit in the football stadium or not? I'm confused. <laughs> Does it fit or not? Like, have you have you gone out there and measured yourself, Coach? Like, No, does it fit or... I have not. Look, let me just tell you how I put my foot in my mouth. It was senior day, emotions were high, and I'm thanking the fans, and they're cheering, and it just came out that uh, Nebraska volleyball was putting a volleyball court on their football stadium. I'm like, hey, let's do this. You know, I'm just like, I hadn't talked to Joe Castiglione, nothing, never had any conversation to anybody about it. I just put it out in the universe, which I shouldn't have done. I got a call from Joe. Uh, first thing, before he even opened his mouth, I apologized. And he said, you know, if there is a way that this could work, you know we would do it. And I don't know if there's some kind of construction that might be happening at the state football stadium, but if there is a way, they're going to they're gonna find a way to do it. Because Joe is the mover and the shaker. He likes to be the first at things. He likes to be the trendsetter. I believe we could – I don't know if we could fill that stadium, but wow. Oh, and I, I know you could. Oh, there's not a doubt. Okay, no so question. As soon as I put that in the universe, now coaches don't want to talk to me. I don't have a lot of coaching friends. But they're sending me tag, hey, hey, if you guys do that, call me like call us we'd be interested you know now i got a bunch of friends who want to play in front of eighty thousand people and i so then now i'm getting emails from uh, architects who are showing me what the drawings could look like and what you would have to do to fit it in it it just it's created a mess <laughs> but um it's not dead. It's it still has legs, and people are still talking about it. Um, but the Baylor coach is like, "Hey, please, please, let's have. If you're doing this, it's us. Pick us, pick us. We'll pay you. We'll pay you to come." I'm like, "Oh my god, this is crazy." But wow, would that be something? That would be a whole nother level of wow. So you said that you don't have a lot of friends in the. In the in the coaching world are they intimidated or is that on your what's what's the story there um 
I don't know. You know, I don't know if I'm a female, I get judged. You know, when I'm on the field, I'm a competitor. So I'm just into it. I'm into it. And maybe I have a look that you might think I'm not a nice person or something. When I go out recruiting, I sit alone because everyone's afraid to come up and have a conversation or because we win so much, people think that we cheat and they create stories and they're so unbelievable, ridiculous accusations about our program and how we get players off the portal and our players are taking illegal substances and that's why we're so strong. And it's, it's gone out there and it's come back to me and it is such a joke and it's an embarrassment for our, uh, it's an embarrassment for our sport because to me, if I love athletics, I want to see greatness over and over and over and over again. If OU football wins every year, I'm going to be there every year. And if they're not, I'm going to be there every year. But I love to see excellence in any sport. And people believe we can't reach excellence without cheating. And I'm waiting for someone to take the receipts forward. And um, nobody has any. So there's, there's, I don't know, it's like that. It's just, it's weird like that. And I, I really don't care because I know what it means. It's a, if you can't be us or you can't beat us, I guess you don't like us. So I've learned to live with it. Well, one of, one of my highlights of the season, I was at the, at the regular season game at Hall of Fame Stadium when you guys played Texas. That uh, was right after Mike White said all that stuff yeah. and the fan base. And I was yeah. booing him as loud as we could. <laughs> Anytime he showed his face, it was one of, it was one of my favorite moments of 2023 coach. I don't know if you enjoyed it as much as I did, but I was having a hell of a time. Well, I'm glad I didn't enjoy it, but the fans were doing it again on Saturday. So I don't know that he's going to be able to shake this uh, until people might forget, but I don't, you know, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You just, you don't take it personal. I just, you know, just go about my business. Well, I'm sure he'll, well, if they make it to the world series, they'll, they'll be there every single game, whether he's playing OU or not, which you know, that's it. It's, it's that time of the year. The circus is about to start. Is, is this the part of the year that you, you wait for, or is there a little bit of, you know, because of all of the attention, just how do you feel about this time of year? I love it. And our players love it even more. They, they went 50 and one, whatever our record is. And they're like, okay, God, whew, all right, that's over with. Now let's go. Now let's get to the nitty gritty. Now let's get to the fun stuff. That's how they look at it. And they, they always play their best during this time of the season. Coach, we've taken up way too much of your time. I know you're really busy right now, but you're the best. We'll be out there. I'm going to drag Teddy with me. <laughs> I'm going. I appreciate it. And maybe just don't tell a lot of people I don't have friends. I'm just <laughs> telling them I, I want to be a little more popular. <laughs> well, we'll 
I I consider us friends. Like we're your yes, friends. I know. I'm you just, can yeah, you can always hit us up. Unfortunately, <laughs> a few a few people do listen to this podcast, so they're going to hear you talk about it. But you know, it's fine. It's fine. I, if the other coaches don't want to talk to you, just go make it really awkward. You just go like <laughs> sit right next to him. Yeah, sit next hey, to him. Yeah, kill him no. with kindness. No, no, no. I want to be alone. I just bet it's easier. I just want to have my iced tea, sit with my book, and do my job. That's it. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. We'll see you out there. It is It's that time of the year, man. Can't wait. Can't wait. Patty seems confident, so so I feel confident. If she likes her team, I like her team. And uh, she says they're balanced, pitching, defense, hitting. So, hey, I'll take her word for it. I feel good, too. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to our OU football stuff. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch the price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course... Don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Hamore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then make sure you head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, so once again, slow time in OU football news. but. Ted, I've been reading. I've been reading some things. Uh, what I would consider some uh, some bulletin board material for for Brent Venables and this football team. Now, you're Oklahoma. How much bulletin board material do you really need, right? Uh, I mean, you're you're Oklahoma. When when you come play football here, yeah, uh, that that stuff really isn't that big of a factor. But after the season a year ago. You're trying to find motivation any way you can, right? So let's start with this one. Tom Fornelli over there at CBS Sports also is on the Cover 3 podcast. He put out his college football quarterback power rankings. Top 10. Dylan Gabriel ain't on it. Now, Dylan Gabriel is the first player mentioned in his honorable mentions section, but... This is just one of those things, right? And there's no doubt Dylan Gabriel's got to play better football in 2023. 
but I will take any of the bulletin board material you can give me heading into the season. And this is this is Tom Fernelli saying Dylan Gabriel is not a top 10 quarterback in college football heading into the year. Yeah, and, you know, I I don't know that you can like the, you can knock the list and and punch some holes in it fairly easily. Um, but if you're Dylan Gabriel, it's really hard to have much of a beef with it, but it's still motivating as hell, right? Whenever right. you get left off of a list and I, he, it, it's, it's really hard. Like you, you could put him in the top 10, but it's way more difficult to justify, um, putting Dylan Gabriel in there than some of the other guys on the list. But here's the thing. I think he's fully capable of having a season to where he ends up clearly in the top 10. Yeah. So the list real quick, uh, one Caleb Williams, two Drake may three Quinn Ewers, which maybe we should talk about that. We will, we will, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, four is Michael Penix jr. Five is Sam Hartman. Six is Bo Nix. Seven is JJ McCarthy. Eight is Jordan Travis. Nine is Michael Pratt. QB at Tulane that you and I, we, we love Michael Pratt. And then 10 is Jaden Daniels there at LSU. So, I mean, that's a solid list, right? There's no doubt about it. But the reason I like Dylan Gabriel not being on the list, when, when you say you're quarterback and you're the quarterback at Oklahoma, when you say he's not a top 10 quarterback heading in to the season, it's not just an indictment on him. It it is a perception of the offense as a whole, in my opinion. Yeah. And Dylan Gabriel not being in the top 10 on this list, it tells every guy on that offense, hey, really don't think y'all are that good. That's why your quarterback's not on the list. O-line, you guys lost to, you know, you two tackles. Are you guys gonna be able to block anyone? Wide receiver room, are any of you guys good? Is any tight end going to do anything? Guys going to even be able to run the ball? Like it, when, when you when you start saying your quarterback's not in that top tier, it says more about your offense as a whole than anything. And that's why when I see this, all of these guys on that offense, they should take Dylan Gabriel not being on this list personally because it's Tom Fornelli saying, hey, guys, eh, not sure you're going to be that good offensively. And that that should not sit well with that group. It's a good point. Uh, I think you're, like, for the most part, you're right. It's, Maybe I'm reaching. Maybe I'm reaching. But no. that's how I would interpret it as, a, as an offensive lineman. Be like, damn, they don't think my quarterback's one of the best in the country. And you should. That's on me. Often, often the like your top ten best offenses in the country don't always marry up to your top ten best quarterbacks, but there's a lot of that there, right? So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's. Um, I mean, offensive line can look at it. Wide receiver core, like they're saying, we're not any good. Like we're not going to go out there and get a bunch of yards for our quarterback for our offense. That I think that's a good point, and you know, for a team, like. Let's be honest. 
they gave themselves the biggest bulletin board material possible by being able to slap that six and seven record up there. Right. I mean, that's, that's bigger than anything more motivating than anything, but right. As athletes, you're looking for any little piece, any little something that you can grab onto. It's a long year. It's a long off season. Everything is long. Every practice is long. Every practice week is long. You grab whatever little piece you can to to get your motivation level up for that day, for that week, for that month, for that, you know, whatever off-season period you're in. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I could understand some OU fans hearing this and being like, hey, it, it's Oklahoma. They don't need bulletin board material. Did you hear what those Georgia players were saying after they won the national title? <laughs> when they had just won the national title the year before? <laughs> like, oh, no one thought we were going to do this. What? I mean, that is, uh, there's, there's a psychological piece to it, right? Being able to take any piece of motivation and use it. If you're Brent Venables or if you're a guy in that locker room. And, and that's why I'm, you're starting to rub off on me, man. I see stuff like this and I'm like, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Yes. Let them sleep. On everyone on the roster, it. But the more we, the more we hear athletes talk about it, like that. That clearly is is a big motivator. So uh, I think Dylan Gabriel should see this, take it personally. I hope he prints it out, puts it in his locker, stuff like that. And the offensive as a whole, like they. They may not believe in Dylan Gabriel, but it also it's got a lot to do with who's around him, right? When you're evaluating a quarterback in his situation. And once again, I think those guys should take that personally. Yeah. I think and it's not just offense. I think everyone on the football team should take it personally, right? I mean, defensively, you you consider any any slight of of your quarterback or of, of your team, you take that personally. Um, let's get the ball back for him. Let's let's do whatever we can to where he goes out there and shows everyone. I mean, it's all tied together. I mean, especially whenever you get into the real like heart and soul of a of a season, like you're in the depths, you're seven, eight games in, and the Heisman race is is shaping up, and you're undefeated and no one's talking about your quarterback. That pisses you off as a football team, you know, and it all ties together. So, yeah, I, I think that's right. The more of these lists that come out, whether it's quarterback, whether it's, you know, whatever they are, take it to heart, and I'm sure they do. Yeah, I can I can only imagine how Jeff Levy feels seeing that. Yeah. Right. His offense, the position he coaches – I guarantee you it's motivating for him. So I yeah. just, I, I thought that was an interesting one. And then this one, you, you and I, we, we have talked about, we've talked about the need for a wide receiver in that room to really step up. Right. And ESPN put out a list there. They have their, their college football writers, right? Their entire staff. They did a list of the top 10 wide receivers in college football. And boy, does Emmett Jones have some bulletin board material for that room. Not only 
was a guy not on the top 10 list. They didn't have a single wide receiver receive a single vote in the poll. Not a single vote. And I'm not saying that that's not incorrect, right? I I don't think a, a guy in that room has proven himself to be in consideration as a top 10 wide receiver in college football. But you talk about something that can be used as motivation. Emma Jones can turn to every guy in that room and say, hey, they all think you guys stink. And I w- once again, it's it's just motivation, man. Like Jalil Farouk's got to see this and take it personally. Very personally. Like didn't even receive a vote. Not not even a thought. That's that's something Emmett Jones and that staff can use, right? I I certainly think it is. They don't know who you are. Ooh. They don't know who you are. And that hurts. You play at one of the most prestigious football programs in the country, and they don't know who you are. They don't know who any of you are. And uh, I agree with you. We don't have anyone right now on roster that is has justified being on the top ten list. And frankly, it's not even close. But that doesn't mean that it's okay. Because, I mean, when's the last time that we hadn't had a guy on here? Like, how far back do you have to go to where there hasn't been a guy? I mean, I, I would imagine Mims probably would have been on this list a year ago. I don't know if he was or if, if they did the list. But he would have at least gotten votes. And you just you just go keep going backwards from there, and there's going to be someone on there almost every single year. So that's the state of it right now. And if that doesn't motivate the hell out of you at wide receiver, I don't know what does. Right. Farouk, Andrell Anthony, anyone in that room, anyone in that room just realizing, hey, these people don't think we're any good. And that that can be a very a humbling experience, right? But also very motivating. So I, I hope that's something when, when summer workouts start here in a couple of weeks, I hope that that's something that every wide receiver in that room thinks about while they're going through workouts. Like, hey, we didn't even get a single vote. And the, you look at the top five on the list, like these guys are dudes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, Marvin Harrison Jr., Rebecca Buka, uh, Dunze from Washington, uh, Singer, the guy that transferred, what, from Arizona to USC, Xavier Worthy. You, know, you and I both think very highly of Xavier Worthy there at Texas. Like they, these guys are really, really good players. Don't get me wrong. But it, it just goes back to the piece where you got to find motivation. Like you said, Ted, the the college football calendar, man, it's a grind. It's a long haul. And, and stuff like this, it can it can push guys, right? It, it can push guys. So should I should I just print them out and send them to the football facility? Like how, how, what should we do here? I I think that they should make graphics of it and it should be up on the massive jumbotron the entire offseason on. Or everyone can see it. 
Just not That's a single not vote. I mean, it's 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 embarrassing, or it's it's bad whenever you look at it yourself, right? And you're not on there. It's worse whenever everyone sees it, and you are aware that everyone sees it. You know, that's I. You let's start start hanging banners, right? Billboard banners in the indoor. <laughs> nothing, nothing more motivating than a public shaming. A public That's embarrassment, right? right? But right. And, and not to not to take this conversation that much longer, but this is these are the lists. This is the bulletin board material for what was the strength of the team a year ago. Yeah. Imagine when you know these lists on the defensive side of the ball start coming out over the next couple months. They're <laughs> You talk about bulletin board material, man. They're going to be able to, they may run out of paper there at the Switzer Center. I mean, this is what these people that cover college football very, very closely and do it well, in my opinion. This is what they're saying about the side of the ball that was viewed as the strength of the team. So if you're, if you're in that locker room and you're on that defense, you're kind of going, oh boy. What, what are they going to say about us? And we'll, we'll see as those as those start to come out. We'll see what type of motivation material uh, Brent Venables will have for the guys on the other side of the football. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be interesting. They have a because of all of this, they have a great opportunity. You know, it's interesting whenever you're picked high, whenever you're getting all kinds of preseason accolades, when you got a bunch of top players that are on all of these lists, right? It's hard to get much of a rise out of anyone until December. But whenever you're not on any list, nobody's talking about you. Some people don't have you in the top 25. It creates a great opportunity to do something special and kind of rekindle the the fire and you know kind of bring like reset and bring everything back for the for the program and and have it kind of burst back on the scene and everyone be like whoa okay yeah they're they're working on something special there yeah and it's also it's a nice tool for Brent Venables right we we talked the last couple episodes we've talked about you know the over under win total them being tied for Texas right at nine and a half the, the highest number in the conference second when it comes to the odds to win the big 12 championship, if any of those guys on this team saw that and started thinking good, anything positive about themselves, you bring up these lists and lists <laughs> like it, right? Like, no, 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 no. These people still think you stink guys. Don't, yep. uh, don't, don't buy into any of the hype, but uh, all right, let's get to call your shot. We asked y'all the best piece of bulletin board material uh, that you've seen that Brent Venables and this team could use. I really like this one from Chris Peterson, and it's some something you hit on earlier, Ted. He said, game film from a six and seven season. It's mocking you more than anyone else. Go show the world who you really are. That's that's some deep stuff from Chris. It's mocking you more than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fortunate or unfortunate circumstance depending on who you talk to or how you feel on a certain day but 
you know, rarely for anyone else does does any mistake or anything that you do on a day to day basis live on forever. But in football, it does. Like that's the harsh reality of it. Someone else's highlight on you will be there forever. It'll be shown forever. Every time I go to that damn Kansas State stadium, they play that stupid 2003 Big 12 championship game from 20 years ago, and I have to sit there and, and watch all of the highlights. The, it haunts you forever. Okay? So there, there's, to me, there's nothing more motivating than what you look like on film. Because yeah. I, it, it doesn't matter what your social media presence is. It doesn't matter what you do signing autographs. It doesn't matter about what type of NIL deal you have. What does the film say? Yeah. I mean, there's – that's embarrassing enough, right? <laughs> right. And, and there's good on there too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, it's not all bad. There's some good stuff on there. There's some players that made some – some really, really you know, had great moments out there. There's good stuff on there too, but let's be honest, there ain't nearly enough of it. Right. This other one comes from Brian Kinder, who says every effing Texas and Okie State and USC fan posting 49 to nothing in comments. There's a lot of that, man. Like anything OU puts out right now, there's there's people that there's a lot of 49 to nothing stuff like it it hurts me i can only imagine how it feels for those guys that were part of that game oh oh yeah i want it to go i pour it on me i i I want all of it i want to feel the shame right i want to feel the despair i want to feel all of it i want the anguish because whenever you come back and you bounce back and you shove it in their face it feels so much better Yep. Yeah. I love I love your attitude towards that. You love you just <laughs> love bathing in the misery. That's so. it. When it's happening, it's just like make it worse. Bring it on. <laughs> if it's gonna be bad, let's get real bad. Yeah. All right. Birthday shout outs time. Uh, welcome to the world. Theodore Paul Johnson. Love it. Happy seventh birthday to Kira Lynn Gupta. Happy 22nd birthday to Preston Andrea. And happy birthday to Jake Andrews. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individual academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit BM chs.org financial aid is available and attention business owners you need insurica in your life yeah you do insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout oklahoma texas in the southwest insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers 
They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in orders on a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I'm going to go with Sooner fans only because there's at least, I feel like, the opportunity. Whenever ABC announced that they've got the OU Texas game and threw that out there, we've got a window for a 2.30, okay? We've got the opportunity. I know the ABC has had the 11 o'clock kick before. I know that that has happened, but it just gives you a chance. And don't, don't you think, like, unanimously with fans, the 2.30 is better for OU Texas? I I think a lot of people would prefer it. Yeah, will it be hot? Yeah, but the game, the game's always hot. hot anyway. It doesn't matter. It does, it, it's hot. <laughs> You're not going to escape the heat. It's going to happen. I think I, I think it would make the Friday night before a lot more fun for a lot of fans. No doubt. I know. That, that's the thing. It's like, even if you could get an hour, uh, you know, like a noon kick would be uh, even better. But, but I don't know. I think it's just... I think it's a small little win in there to where you say at least there's a chance. Do you still do you think it's going to be 11 a.m. still? I I don't really know because you you look at the slate that weekend and it's not much. There's not much. So all you have is a And M in Alabama, which that's going to be a night game, right? And that's that's really. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. That's really the only other what you would consider a marquee game, right? Where it's two just massive brands going against each other, like Kentucky, Georgia, eh. LSU, Missouri. Right. I think is it. What's the? There's a Big Twelve game. It's is it Baylor, TCU, maybe or Texas Tech, Baylor. Tech, Baylor, that'd be a good one. I guess my – I know the 11 a.m. games have awesome ratings, okay? So that's why they like to put big games there. But here's my thinking. If you know 11 a.m. games rate really well, I put OU Texas at 230 because it's going to rate well no matter where you put it, right? right. It's going to get great ratings. I put something else – at 11 a.m. to try and draw some attention there and get good, get good ratings on a game that, if it was placed somewhere else, would not draw what it would at 11 a.m. That's how I would view it, but that's I'm also biased. I want to kick that game off at 2:30. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I would like to go out and have a little more fun Friday night there in Dallas. That I I'm not opposed to that. I do think, you know, when you think of you know the dynamics of kind of the TV competition between ESPN and Fox, like Fox has had, they found some success with big noon kickoff. Right. Yeah. And 
if you're ABC slash ESPN and you can, you know, put another game to go up against that and kind of split that viewership mm-hmm. and then own the two thirty window with OU Texas, then and I'm not a I'm not a rating specialist, so maybe what I just said makes no sense. But no, it's it seems like that would be a good plan, right? Try to split that early viewership and then get everyone who's anyone watching your channel at two thirty for for OU Texas. I make a ton of sense to me, but once again, I'm a dumb dumb. That's my hope. Fingers crossed. Think it's going to happen, and I think that I know right now. Texas is getting a lot of preseason hype. What's, you know, big surprise. Oklahoma flying under the radar right now. I have a feeling that that game is going to be, by the time it rolls around, is going to be really, really big. Always is. Doesn't matter. But, um, you know, I think that there's at least a chance that all Texas has to do is show that they can stay on the field against Alabama, right? That's all they have to do. Anything better than that, they're going to be praised for it. Um, I think we should be undefeated rolling in. And by that time, would we be in the top 10? I don't know. It depends what happens with everyone in front of you. But I think there's a a decent chance that you could have a, a top 10 matchup again, which, you know, they, they feel like they've been few and far between in recent years. It's been one team is up, the other down. Yeah, well, one team's got the third best quarterback heading into the college football season. So, you know, this, I don't even know if OU will be able to compete in the game with such a powerhouse at quarterback on the other side. We didn't get into that. We don't need to get into that. Oh, I think <laughs> I think plenty of both, time for that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Quinn Ewers looks. I, I, when I saw him at number three on that list, I was like, uh, what? But let's not. We don't need to. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I thought about going with the Yankees. Um, you know, Aaron Judge looking over to the right a little bit before he hits a an absolute bomb. And the announcers noticed it before. He did it the swing before. And then they were talking about it as he absolutely crushed a baseball. And I don't know if he was getting signs from someone. I don't know what happened, but they've got people looking. And as soon as you give people a reason to start looking, you know, I've already seen a video of maybe it was last year in the playoffs. Someone did the same thing. Um, and then last night they have a pitcher get tossed for having uh, look like look like black tar all over his pants. Ben, you just don't want people snooping around. But I decided to go with Pat McAfee, and he's he's leaving his current gig, hundred twenty million over four years, and he's going to ESPN, and I. Pat McAfee, he's not necessarily like my type of guy. He's a bit much for me, but I recognize what he does is good. I recognize that he's got a a good good following, a good fan base. I think he's knowledgeable. I think he's entertaining. Uh, and I think the the best thing about him is he's unique and untethered and does whatever he wants. And he's leaving 
the the DraftKings deal, and he's going to ESPN, and he says that they're going to maintain creative control, and I'm sure ESPN told him that. Uh, he says that you know it's going to be the same show except with less cussing, and I'm sure ESPN told him that. But it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. You're now going to be controlled by ESPN. You're going to be controlled by their stock price. You're going to be controlled by uh, all of the different things that Disney adheres to. And it'll probably start off with a bang and be great. And slowly but surely, the noose will tighten. And it's frustrating for me whenever you see good people out there doing really good things that are not on like the major mainstream uh, sites, I, I guess for lack of a better term, sell out and, and go take those deals. I get it. He probably was able to ne- negotiate really good deals for the guys that he's with that are a part of the show too. It's not just him. Um, he'll, he'll be exposed to a bigger audience, but I don't know. In the long run, I just feel like it is – choking out the creativity of what he's done. We'll see. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. It feels like that's how things have been. Yeah, he, and I agree. I was surprised right now. I wasn't surprised because, you know, he's already on college game day. Clearly he's got the relationship with ESPN, right? But to say like, hey, nothing's changing. You you just said you're going to cuss less. That's a, anyone that has watched this stuff, like, that's a big change. They dropped the F-bomb yep. a lot. <laughs> a lot. I mean, Pac-Man I Jones is on there sometimes. It's like every third or fourth word. He won't be again. Yeah, that's <laughs> – and, and I, I hope I hope nothing changes because I, I like his stuff. I, I, I catch most of it just on social media, like the clips he puts out on Twitter, and it's, it's wildly entertaining, but it – it made me go back and think, you remember when the guys from Pardon My Take did the Barstool Van Talk, right? And mm-hmm. they did one episode. And there was an internal uprising of female employees and all this stuff. Like, it's it's a slippery slope, right? Some of the stuff that they sound there, like, what, who, who are they going to upset quickly? And then how does ESPN react to that right if something similar happens he wasn't in that situation with with the fan duel thing and i i hope it all works out i understand the distribution is way more significant right it's going to be on espn espn plus it's going to be free on youtube right on on espn's youtube and that's awesome like the distribution is going to be huge the numbers are going to be great i when it starts creeping into your head, like, Hey, what does so-and-so think about what I just said? Like, or as simple as I'm not going to say that because now we're on ESPN. That, that just changes it fundamentally changes what you're doing. And I, I hope it stays the same and I really do, but it's hard to imagine that they're going to operate the same way knowing you know who who they answer to now yeah no that's i that's my whole thing and it it at least appears right now that he's taking less money 
Um, I don't know. Maybe he he feels like uh, I I don't I don't know. There's but. there's got there's got to be more to it, right? Like the distribution's one thing, and then saying you're going to be able to do everything you want to do. I know he just had a young like he's got a young kid, and, and maybe it's maybe it's as simple as hey, he's trying to find better balance in his life, right? Maybe ESPN's taking a lot of the you know the sales stuff and like all those things like other than the content creation, like maybe they're taking a lot of right. that off his plate. Uh, I I don't know that, but that was my thing. It's like, Hey, maybe he's just in search of more balance in his life. Maybe it's been a little too, too consuming the way they've been doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Uh, I don't even know how they're going to air it because it's a, it's been like a three hour continuous stream, right? Yeah. Isn't that how it is? Yeah. And I clearly whoever's operating the dump button is going to have to have that, that finger ready. I, well, and like he's, he's on YouTube now and it's going to stay on YouTube, but he's going to lose his entire YouTube audience. I mean, not the entire audience, but a huge chunk of it. People, that consume content on YouTube do not consume ESPN. It's like a, like that you are axing that group. Like they're on YouTube specifically to avoid ESPN. You know, I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how it works out. Well, and, and this is, this is one of the things with McAfee. We'll see how long it sticks. The guy, yep. The guy's been a bit of a nomad, right? Right. Yep. He, you know, Barstool, the, the zone, like he's bounced around, man. I mean, bounced around That's a lot. That's great offers. Yeah. It, when you, it got up to what, $30 million a year there at, at DraftKings. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, I'm hoping for the best that they don't choke the the creativity and, and, and what's made him who he is, but we'll see. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it goes well. I'm not worried about Pat McAfee and his financial situation moving forward, but I, I do wonder if the content is, it's going to stay the same. It's, it's, it's hard to believe, right? Yep. All right. Let's get to my winner and loser. But first. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years, family owned and operated. They've got nine. And full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. Here's how it works. You buy a newer used car. Uh, from the Vance dealership, all you have to do is get all the manufacturer recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong, the components of your engine, transmission, drive axle, or transfer unit, they'll cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all 
Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Georgia. Got a commitment from Dylan Rayola, five-star quarterback that is the number one ranked player in the class of 2024. Ted, we know his dad. Just what Georgia needed, more talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I talked to talked to Dom quite a bit about uh, his son's recruitment, you know, for a long time. Like, he wanted to come to Oklahoma really bad when Lincoln Riley was here. Like, this is the place he wanted to go. Um, then Lincoln went to USC. They weren't happy about that move. Um, I I felt like I like, I thought all along like times enough time's going to pass and he's going to end up wanting to go to USC again to follow Lincoln. But and then the Nebraska stuff popped up with Matt Rule taking over there. A lot of people thought maybe he's going to go to Nebraska, but hard to turn down Georgia man with what they've got rolling right now. It's it's hard to to say that you didn't make the right decision, but he's got a ton of talent. He's going to be a good player. Yeah, I, I love some of the people that have the take of Georgia. Georgia doesn't need that talented of a quarterback. It'll change the identity of the program having some of that good. I'm over here like I think they'll be fine. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I think they'll be all right. I think they'll figure it out. All right, but my my winner of the week. The National Basketball Association. Just a lot of NBA stuff this week. Ted, we, we've got coaches getting fired, right? Doc Rivers is out there in Philly. Monty Williams is out in Phoenix. So the coaching carousel, that conversation is in full swing. NBA Combine going on right now, which clearly is connected to the NBA lottery reveal that we saw on Tuesday night. Now, Thunder got 12. Now, didn't get that lucky in the second round. I think the second round pick went from like 35 to 50, which not what you're looking for. But hey, you get 12. It's where you were slotted. You didn't fall. Always a good. Yes. Do you want to move up? Of course. But at least you're not the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> Worst record in the league by five games. And they end up with the fifth pick. Just absolutely brutal for that fan base. Horrible. That, yeah, that stinks. That stinks. And you hate that. Like, I I don't know what the right way to do things is, but you feel like the, uh, like if you're that bad, you should have the number one pick. I, that would probably make things worse, frankly, uh, when it comes to the, the tanking situation in the NBA. But yeah, you hate that for Detroit, man. It's been a while since they've been relevant. Long right. time. Yeah. And now on the other side of things, San Antonio, the tank was completely worth it, right? They, they have won the Wimbanyama sweepstakes and the shots of <laughs> the shots of Wimbanyano's reaction to Houston not having the first pick was, oh, it was so good. It's so good. And it seems like he's excited to go to San Antonio and it feels like a, a very good landing spot for him after all the success that they've had with international players, right. And, and having Greg Popovich and the structure of that organization, it feels, feels like a really good situation and a really good situation for the city of San Antonio, right? Because 
Austin's been snooping around, you know, they've been snooping around in this. I feel like this, this is exactly what that, that city needed to, to make sure the Spurs aren't, they're not even thinking about looking anywhere else. So it was, uh, it was huge for them, man. Huge. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, it's an interesting organization. You know, they've, they've had some really nice runs that, you know, lasted really long time. And it's funny, they get like billed as a small market team, but it's like the seventh biggest city in the country or something Huge. like that. And But I think it's more with kind of how they operate, maybe that, that gets them fans feeling that way or whatever. But yeah, that's, I hope San Antonio's back. I like whenever they're in the mix. Yeah. And then, of course, you got game one of the conference finals uh, between the Lakers and Nuggets. Kind of looked like it was going to be a blowout, but then the Lakers seem to solve some things there in the fourth quarter. Got super fun and interesting in those last couple minutes, but too much Jokic, Ted. The no one lumbers more gracefully than that man. I mean, it is. It's just, it's so fantastic to watch. 34, 21, and 14 for Jokic in game one. Just, just ridiculous, man. Somehow he makes it look like, like LeBron, whenever he's playing well, or, yeah, LeBron looks like an elite athlete that is just, you know, next level. Jokic looks like, someone's dad playing against kids in the driveway somehow, you know, and it makes it work. It's uh it's spectacular. Yeah. But that game, Anthony Davis, what 40 and 10 Austin Reeves continues to just Big do four. himself some serious good with, with uh restricted free agency coming up for him. And after watching the game, I, you know, maybe the Lakers did figure some stuff out in that fourth quarter, but I'm still feeling good about my Nuggets pick because I just think they're a little more balanced, and I think Jokic is the best player in the series. I think he's the best connector yeah. in the series. Like I just, he's fascinating to watch, and I, I do think that's that altitude, everything. Like they got the true home court advantage there in Denver, so I, I still feel good about my pick about the Nuggets, but. Should be an awesome yeah. series, man. No, it will be. And I think the Lakers at least showed that they're going to have the ability maybe to to catch fire in some games late. And who knows what happens if they hit a couple more of those. I think Austin Reeves, did he miss a couple of threes late? Like if he makes those buckets, who knows what, what happens there in the last, uh, you know, 30 seconds or so. So I, I think it looks like it's at least going to be a really good series. Yeah. No, I'm – Completely agree with you there. I guess. Yeah. All right. With my loser of the week, uh, thought about all the guys playing in the PGA Championship. Man, it looks miserable at Oak Hill right now. Winds blowing. It's cold. Now I I understand the weather's supposed to get a little better as we head into the weekend, but I've been seeing guys just drop the ball in the rough, like all of these things. That course looks like an absolute beast, dude. I, and I know the players hate that, but at least I love to see whenever the winning score is like even, you know, and the guys are just struggling to make it around. A birdie is like a, a big deal. 
I, that's what that's what I enjoy, and I, I know there's a lot of fans out there. Maybe not everyone, but um, I'm sure it's going to get a little better, right? <laughs> All the guys were wearing like gloves and beanies when I was Jeez. watching some of the practice stuff this morning. So I, I don't know, man, but that that course looks like it's ready to show its teeth. I am, but I'll be watching. My productivity this weekend will be uh, will be very little. Because I, I will be dialed into that, but my my loser of the week, the ACC. You know I'm a big vibes guy. <laughs> the vibes are not good coming out of the ACC yeah. meetings. The vibes are not good, right? Ross Dellinger, uh, he had an article there in Sports Illustrated uh, about conference realignment and what the ACC's future may look like. Mentioned that seven ACC schools have been meeting together all with their lawyers, quote, examining the grant of rights to determine just how unbreakable it is. Now, however, it seems like they've discovered that maybe it's too difficult to break. So now they're considering other options. It seems like they are looking at new weighted revenue models. Uh, basically, hey, you you eat what you kill in football is kind of how I understand it, is what they're trying to get to. But, Ted, this is all new information. When you start hearing the – what did Brett McMurphy label him? The Magnificent Seven? <laughs> it's yeah. just, just an awful nickname. Oh, I love McMurphy. He throws There's some nothing magnificent. Stuff. I don't think about any of the seven. It, good. There's some good schools in there, but <laughs> that's was strange. They, this is – I mean, you got half the conference – that has been taking a long, hard look of how to get out. And I I get it, right? You you look at the Big Ten's numbers and the SEC's numbers when it comes to the media rights deal, and you're stuck in this, what is now a horrible deal that runs through 2036. And every year you're under that deal, every, deal, every year you stay, like the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I get it, but... The, vi- the vibes are just not good out there uh, on the East Coast, man. That is when you got half the conference studying, lawyering, trying to get out. It, you are, I don't care what anyone says. You are not, you're not in a good situation. Yeah. Well, when Alford said it was either right before our bowl game or right after when he was talking about the revenue situation and how unhappy they are. Uh, like according to their models, they bring in 15% and they only get paid out seven um, was not happy about it. And then what was it yesterday or maybe the, the day before he came out and said, yeah, I think we've reached an agreement that, that we like and everyone's going to be able to get it along. So it sounds like they're going to, like you said, the, the revenue is going to be distri- uh, distributed a little bit differently than even across the board. And, while I think that that sounds good in theory now, I, I just, I unfortunately, I feel like Florida State is opening up a can of worms on themselves. Like you better make sure that everything that you're doing is 100% above board, because you've put a target on your back for the rest of the teams in your conference. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna win more and get more revenue than everyone else, 
they're going to they're going to resort to different tactics to try and bring you down and I, who knows what that might be right. animosity within a conference is not good right and florida state's been the most outspoken right? i i think we all know that clemson you know with what that program's accomplished hasn't been happy right they they can't be happy with the revenue gap that is developing they've been it, it seems like they've been a little quieter about it Maybe operating right. a little more in the shadows. Which I think but, is smart. Yeah, but now they've said some stuff publicly, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm interested to see where this goes. I saw a quote uh, from Alford uh, from Tuesday. He said they're, quote, very thrilled to be in this league and we want to stay. Okay. <laughs> it, it, I, I think the bottom line is... I understand why why some schools that have more football success, right, and have a richer tradition, why they want a bigger piece of the pie, right? They're doing the winning. I, I get that. But, man, it just does not feel healthy for this to hang over this conference for 14 more seasons. Like, it just – I know. It's – jeez, it's crazy. Whoever signed that deal, and I know it's – that commissioner is now gone, but that is just such a horrible deal that they signed for that. Like in a sport that's as, as much change that we've seen over the last couple of decades to sign something that, that far out is, was crazy, but the, all the athletic directors, everyone agreed to it. So it's their fault. You just got to remember now the numbers I saw said something like the team at the top revenue wise could end up having what 10 million more dollars that comes from somebody like you're robbing peter to pay paul like it doesn't just like they're not just getting 10 million extra right there's the payout and it's going to go like this so you're taking that money from somebody and that somebody is not going to be happy i i don't know man i don't i'm curious to see how this thing goes yeah I mean, you think about it, the way that they've been doing it, uh, the college football playoff, the NCAA tournament, like they've been spreading it all equally right there in the ACC. And that's how the conferences, from what I understand, that's how the conferences do it. And I guess in what they're looking at now is like, hey, if you make the college football playoff, you go deeper into the NCAA tournament, right? It seems like the team that does it is either going to get the whole thing or a much larger percentage as opposed to it being spread out equally across the conference, which makes a lot of sense when you think about it, but it's still not going to close this massive gap, right? And Florida state, even if they're making 10 more million, they're going to look at the number and being like, Oh my God, Vandy's bringing in way more money than us. Wake forest is bringing in, or I guess not Wake Forest, they're in the same conference. That was stupid. At a team like Rutgers is bringing in way more money than us. Like I don't think it. I don't think it's going to satisfy them the way that they're trying to talk themselves into it. it the gap's going to be there. It's a big gap. Well, I, I know this. The way you change your situation with your grant of rights deal with ESPN is not by fracturing and driving a wedge between the member institutions. If anything, it's by becoming tighter 
and holding together and pushing back and saying, no, we want to renegotiate. I, that's the way to change the deal. Like ESPN loves what they're seeing now where everyone's fractured and upset. And like, there's, there's, it's way more difficult to get things done that way. And, you know, it's not going to be good for the competitive balance of the league. Like there's a reason why I, all professional sports revenue share. It's so you can maintain, you know, competitive balance across the landscape. And, you know, this is going to seem great for, you know, the, the teams at the top to steer a few more dollars their way. But I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, they are going to try to drag Florida State down. That's how this thing works, man. When you step out and say you want more money and you take take away from some other people that feel like they're doing their best to try and compete and do things right, look out. Yeah, I love how I love how some people are just assume, yeah, Syracuse is going to be cool with this. Like there, there's not going to be any, any animosity there. It's like, okay, all right, we'll see. Yeah. Doesn't feel like a great situation to summarize. Doesn't feel like a great situation out there in the ACC. We'll see. No, nope. I mean, time we'll will see. tell. All right. Episode three eighteen in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder. You can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Hey, get out to the softball uh, softball regional. We'll support the Sooners. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.